And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Labine. Only on the BetQL Network. Welcome into the Tapped Out Recap with Brendan Tobin. He's in Miami. Sean Levine in Kansas City. And there was all kind of bangers on this car. Let's go ahead and start right at the top where Charles Oliveira ended up subbing Dustin Poirier. We talked about going into it, Brendan, that this was a fight that could finish literally in 100 different ways. How surprised are you with the way that it finished? Uh, I definitely was surprised because I had Dustin going into the fight, but I would say after round one, I actually, I was thinking it was going to start leaning Charles because it's almost like Dustin had this like look on him that like, man, that didn't put that guy away. That's kind of crazy. You know, Charles just kept coming back for more. It's almost, it was almost like he was, uh, I don't know if he was, you know, cage doping or, or what he was doing, but he was taking the shots and then just kept coming forward. And I feel like Dustin was just kind of in a spot where like, man, this guy's going to be uh, really tough to put away. And, it started trending in that direction from then on there out. Speaking of forward, let's talk about what's next for both of these guys. First, let's start with Dustin because it kind of feels like to me this Brendan might have been his last chance at the belt. I say that knowing how good he is, how many guys he's beaten, how tough he is. So if anybody can work their way back to it, it's him. But it just it's going to be a very difficult road at this point. Well, I think that's interesting for him, too, is, you know, he did hint that he wanted to move up to welterweight going into this card, which uh, which is an interesting thing because he's not he's not the tallest dude in the world, but uh, he does cut a lot to get down to 155. And I think there's a lot of fun matchups for him at 170. Um, so I think for him, and you're at this point in your career, you're looking for big fights. And then you look at 170 and it's like Kamar Usman has been chirping left and right about how much he wants a big fight. I don't know right now if there's a bigger fight in the welterweight division than if Dustin Poirier were to come up and fight him because he's beaten everybody twice on over. So you think he gets a win up at 170 if he's able to beat somebody of high quality. Him and Colby have a bit of a grudge match. Maybe he slips right in there and is able to get himself a title fight at 170. That's the one. It's not the Usman fight right now, in my opinion. It's the Colby fight because, like you said, they've got a pass. Their names have come out of each other's mouth. And now, Brendan, they're both coming off a loss. That seems like the best one to make. Yeah, I mean, unless like Colby, unless Colby and Jorge is the is going to get made before that, but I think that fight makes a lot of sense. I, I really do. I think that if you're Dustin Poirier, you're only looking for the biggest of the big now. You've kind of already been to the mountaintop with championship fights, Khabib fights, Connor fights. Like, I can't imagine him going back to this. Uh, you know, Masvidal's dealing with a lot of this right now. Like Masvidal got to the mountaintop. You know, Nate Diaz title fights and now he's like looking for fights that really like get him going at this point in his career you've fought so many times so i feel like that's probably what makes the most sense for uh for for dustin what about the guy who now is at the mountaintop and defended the strap charles Oliveira? what's next for him who gets a shot i mean i guess just to make sense justin gaethje i'd be into that yeah i'd be into that fight for sure i think the thing that's going to be interesting though is like okay if charles is able to keep this up now right like he's had his all right, I showed you I'm the real deal. I defended my belt. You know, I, I, I diced through Dustin. He beats a Justin Gaethje. And then, like, what if what if Makachev gets in there and he beats him? Like, is that going to be enough? Because everybody's starting to talk about this. Is that going to be enough to get the drumbeat going of, can they bring Khabib out of retirement? And is that something that he can start going towards the path of being that kind of a champion? So uh, that's kind of fun stuff to, to think about in the fallout of all this. But I think, yeah, I think right away, I think Gaethje's the guy. If we're talking champions, we got to talk about Amanda Nunez, who came into the fight as a minus 1,000. She left a loser. Juliana Pena, now the champion. She came in at a plus 700. Brendan, my friend, let me publicly apologize to you here on the tapped out recap on the BetQL Network. 
I shut you down. I said, man, let's just stop talking about this and move on because there's absolutely no chance. There's no difference between Juliana Pena and Jermaine Durand and me and Felicia Spencer and all the others that have come before. I was wrong. You were right. She definitely had a chance. I was Yeah. Wrong. Well, here's the thing, though, man. I didn't see it going like that. Like, that Nobody was pretty No, Like, to, to, to see her kind of wilt in round two is wild. Like, that's 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 the GOAT. And it felt like once there was any resistance put on her, it it was oh like she's just like all right kind of had enough of this it was very it was very it was a very strange performance from amanda and to her to say afterwards that i just checked out i mean we've heard this from fighters before we've heard that the burden we've heard this from gsp the burden of of being a a guy defending a bunch of times just kind of gets you we've seen john jones at his point of career just get kind of vulnerable but that was that was a wild one man like i i didn't i didn't expect it losing it reminded me a little bit of Nick Diaz last fight. Like they were just done in the yeah. octagon and with fighters like that, that's the last thing that you expect to see. You know what it is? It's a great exercise in betting. Sometimes you just need to wait as long as you possibly can, because for some reason, Brendan, I was all over Nunez. I talked about that on the show, but if you would have waited as long as you can to make your bet, when she came out to make the walk, I'm certainly no expert in body language, but it just, it almost looked like she was kind of over it. And if she won, she won or she lost. And then afterwards, it was the same thing. She took the mic. She smiled. Like, I don't want to say she quit because that's the goat, but she, she, she kind of quit. No, nah, she quit, man. Like that's that. I mean, she was tired and it's not, I'm not calling Amanda Nunes soft or anything like that, but she definitely had enough of that night very quickly. I mean, it's not even like, it's not even like Juliana hit her with the haymaker. Like she just, she stood up to her best shot. She stuck that jab in her face, took her down, and that was it for Amanda. Um, that's, I mean, it, it, it's wild. It's a wild one. It was, and in my mind, I think it's the, I think it's bigger. I think it tops. I think it tops uh, Holly knocking out Ronda. That that was uh, that was a shocking upset, man. You said that going in, and afterwards, I tend to believe you. Brendan Tobin's in Miami. Sean Levine here in Kansas City, recapping UFT UFC two sixty nine. And we got to talk about some other stuff going forward because it is another big fight night coming up on Saturday, probably early into Sunday morning. Uh, Jeff Neal by decision over Ponce Nibio. I was wrong about that one, but I did tell you the Kai Car France was going to knock out Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, you nailed that. I mean, because it was Cody, just so dude. It was so and it sucked because he took a couple of those shots and he was like Cody style asking for more, and it was fun to watch. But you could see for like three or four minutes, Brendan, that. It was going to happen, and then eventually it did. And, I mean, I I, I, hate, I love Cody, but I think that Cody needs to start talking with maybe – this is going to be harsh. Eagle FC, like the whatever Kevin Lee. I, <laughs> I, don't know if he's, I don't know if he's a UFC fighter anymore, man. I love Cody, but I don't know if he is. It's possible he's not. And, and they've, uh, they've definitely been making a point of guys that they don't really see a path for that they've been parting ways with, which seems crazy as a guy that they were going to use as one of the poster guys. But, man, listen, you started wild, like wildfire on this car with your, with your calls between him and Sugar Sean. Um, and I think it's disappointing because I feel like that was, you know, they were kind of uh, – if Cody would have gotten the win, that kind of feels like the intersection where we would have gotten even, – even with Cody being down in flyweight. Listen, if the fight's right, I think they would have made it happen now – you know, I, I don't, I don't know for Cody. I, I think this is, uh, this is probably it. I mean, he's a guy who, listen, remember in his career early on, he was dealing with concussion issues. Like this is not a, this is a guy who's, who's had some real health stuff uh, that he's had to go through. So I don't know, man, it's, it, it's, uh, it's, it looks like it's going to be a clean slate for him, maybe somewhere new. 
moving down and getting knocked out just isn't a good look. Going one and five in your last six overall isn't a good look. I know he invented the neck tattoo. I know that he's fun to watch, but the truth is, I mean, like you said, the USC is looking for guys to have a chance to be a champion. And at this point, I don't know that that's Cody Garbrandt. Uh, you mentioned Sugar Sean. We nailed that one, right? Said early knockout. That's what he wanted to see. That's what the UFC wanted to see. Another unbelievable fight. So where does he go from here? That's an interesting one because, you know, it's rare that afterwards uh, you have almost Dana White, like, hat in hand where he's like, I guess we got to pay the guy. Like, they they almost acknowledge, like, they have a star. They're going to start treating him like a star. But with whatever new deal is going to come with this, I'm sure now the expectations of the big fights are going to come from uh, from Sean O'Malley. Um I mean, I listen. I thought Dominic Cruz looked good. I would be, I would be into something like that. The only thing that, the only thing that would worry me if the UFC, if you're going to throw him in there with the Cruz, is Cruz is so crafty and is so good with the footwork. Like, look at Sean. Sean would probably have a lot of time to go land that bomb on him. But Cruz can make people look ugly, and so I would, I maybe, maybe they're a little hesitant to to do a move like that. But man, the fight. Could you imagine the fight lead up between him and Cruz? That would be fun. The smack talk would be absolutely unbelievable. Once they got in there together, it'd be unbelievable. Who was it that Cruz fought before uh, a couple of fights ago when he got knocked out and he got up and he started complaining right away? Because after this last fight on Saturday night, when he really, I mean, he got his clock cleaned in the first round. Yeah, he did. I, I thought it was the same thing. I thought we were going to miss that one. Remember, you and I both said we like Cruz on the cards, so we nailed that one also on the undercards. We were feeling pretty good. We were stacking up the cash heading into the main event. We also nailed Tai Tuivasa. We'll get to that on the undercard. Said there was going to be a shoey. There wasn't just a round. So we were all over the undercard. But real quick on Dominic Cruz, I mean, like you said, it feels like a resurgence for a guy that me and a lot of other people kind of thought was done. Yeah, he looked good. And the idea that he's just kind of on this normal schedule is cool, too. Like he has been now now two fights in a year. That's I mean, that's that's a workload for him. And uh, and so, yeah, it kind of feels like Dom, like he's not ancient. He's just had very, very tough time staying healthy. And and so to be at this point now where, okay, now he can get back on the path. He's always like he said, he thinks he should always be in the title conversation. I don't know if I'd go quite that far because Bantamweight's pretty stacked. But, you know, big fights. Like, he's going to be a guy who I think can definitely vault himself back into the conversation. UFC 269 absolutely lived up to what we were hoping it was heading into it. UFC fight night now right around the corner on the top of the card is Chris Dawkins, a heavyweight fight, taking on the black beast, Derek Lewis. Now, Derek Lewis is coming off of a, a loss. But, again, we talk about sometimes everybody beats these guys. And at this point, Cyril John beats everybody that he fights. So I don't yeah. hold that one too much against Derek Lewis. How do you see this one playing out coming up Saturday night? It's a tough one. Uh, I, I think it's one of those perennial like heavyweights. We feel like two guys are going to go in there and slug it out. Um, this is a little bit with Chris Dawkins is going to have a, you know, a lot of local sports. I got our producer Jake beforehand is a Philly guy. You know, this guy's like Philly cop, old school, Philly tough, you know, that, that next guard of like the Philly fighters, you know, Philly once known as a, a boxing haven now becoming a bit of an MMA haven. Um, and so, yeah, dude throws bombs, uh, should be, should be a fun watch, but again, you know, this is a huge step up for him. You're taking on Derek Lewis, who has been in there with the who's who has really only lost to the top, top guys. And so I feel like it's a big step up for Chris Dawkins. I will, I, you know, and I, I, I don't like p- picking against Derek Lewis. So I would kind of, I would kind of lean black beast on this one. So I want to spin the wheels forward and talk boxing here in just a second, Brendan, because there's a big fight coming up in Florida on Saturday, early Sunday. But uh, I think the perfect transition to that would be 
Bro, did you see what happened with Mike Perry? Because I don't know if he's a boxer or a bare knuckle fighter, UFC fighter. I don't really know what he is. I just know he's a fighter. So he's doing the color commentary for the bare knuckle fighting, right? And all of a sudden, dude walks by behind him, says a couple of things. There are certain people in this world that are always ready to go. Yeah. And there are certain guys that say they're ready to go. Mike Perry is always ready to go, and he was. You saw that, right? I uh, listen, bare knuckle FC. Uh, they're very, uh, they love the, the, the melees. That's kind of what they market in. I feel like I don't go a card without seeing a BKFC melee. That's just what they, that's just what they do. But yes, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything to Mike Perry. I'm like, I, I would, I would, I would feel weird saying hello to Mike Perry. Cause he just might take it the wrong way. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I had one story like that. I was down a couple of years ago, actually in your neck of the woods, I was down there in Miami and I randomly ran into uh, Yoel Romero, and we had a little bit of a language barrier issue. And I swear he wanted to fight me for a second. Really? I'm like I'm always like hey, he's a super nice guy. Eventually, he's, he's the sweetest. The guy he's like the greatest guy ever. But yeah, for a second there, I thought that I was gonna have to go toe to toe with Yoel Romero. And let's just say I would have come in as a slight underdog in that fight. Speaking of fights, you've been on this one for a long time. I saw you had an exclusive interview with one Frank Gore. Taking oh, on Darren Williams, and you keep telling me, texting me all the time. Hey, Frank Gore can throw hands. Hey, Frank Gore's a throw real hands, deal. dude. I'm trying to tell you the opposite. Darren Williams has his MMA gym. He's been training for a long time. Both these dudes, I, when it comes to quote unquote celebrity athlete fights, these dudes can both throw down. It, they they can, and uh, and and listen uh, for the bank. I don't really know Darren. I know Darren. I've read some interviews that he owns an MMA gym. I've read some MMA guys that say UFC guys that say he can go with them. Uh, I haven't seen – I just saw my first, like, batch of footage of Darren Williams throwing hands today. But I could just speak from the Frank Gore side. Listen, he trains down here in Davie at Javier Santano's Sweatbox Gym. That's the home of Xander Zayas. Just won, went 6-0 and this year in boxing. First-round knockout for the 19-year-old phenom. Same place as George Frost Cambosis, who just beat Tiafima Lopez. This gym is legit. I mean, there's a lot of killers that come out of this place, and Frank's been training there forever. Um, he's been doing this forever. Speaking of Andre Ward, he's like, he's loved boxing. He feels rejuvenated. Like he doesn't need football anymore. I don't know why he's playing football anyway, but like he's somehow after all these, all these years just isn't, isn't weathered, like isn't, isn't beat up. He just is somehow able to still go, but he chose the path of boxing this year. And, uh, and I like what I see from him. Um, but obviously he's got a, a bit of a size discrepancy that he's going up against in, uh, in Darren Williams. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because I saw you standing right down there next to him. What did he look like? Because from from my angle, he looked yoked. Dude, he is like it's like sitting next to, you know, this is a reference was uh, I think DC made this much like oh, yo, like um, Charles. Over, they kept calling him Clark Kent when he takes off the glasses. Yeah, yeah. It's a little like that. Like, you know, he has this like little hoodie on and he's not like very intimidating. But then he takes the hoodie off and it's just like he has just back muscles on back muscles. And you're just like, well, that's why he's you know, maybe a future NFL hall of famer. Like he's, he's, he's a monster. So yeah, he, he's, he's absolutely intimidating. He throws that, he throws a powerful right uh, overhand, right. Should be uh should be fun, man. I I'm looking forward to that one. And uh, I definitely got, listen, great lineage of you boxes, Alonzo Highsmith, Quadrine Hill cover of ESPN, the magazine. He's looking to, uh, to keep up the rep down here for the U. And we'll, of course, break down all the bets, all the props on that one coming up on the show Saturday, 5 o'clock Eastern time right here on the BetQL Network. All right, before we get out of here, let's preview the main event of that same card. Jake Paul versus Tyrone Woodley, too. Woodley comes in at a plus 205. Why is Woodley not like a plus 500 in this fight? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we saw this fight very recently, and I, and I, it went down the way I originally thought it was going to go down, was that Jake Paul was going to probably – 
outbox his way to Woodley and Woodley was going to have his moments, but wasn't going to throw enough to get the judges. I feel like it's going to be the same. This is, and this is always tough. You know, we're, we're talking to people who want to put action on this stuff. I never like to throw this stuff out there. Something's amiss with this one to me, you know, like Tommy Fury goes away and now they're trying to throw a little extra cheese on it where they're like, Oh, there's a 500 K knockout bonus. Knockout bonus. What, what is this knockout bonus? What happened? What happened? BT is after Fury pulled out, they had two weeks to figure this out. And I don't think Jake Paul was going anywhere. They were kind of screwed. I mean, Tyrone Woodley at least was ready. At least he was in shape. And at least people know the name. Like, what else were they supposed to do? No, 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 no. I get that. But the idea that they have to throw that on because they don't want to make it seem like the fights are fixed. Because they're like, oh, there's rumors that go around with the Paul brothers. This was in the Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul fight, and the Jake Paul fight. That there's a no knockdown clause. So now they're putting a knockout bonus. It's very fishy to me. I don't know. Knockout bonus. It, it feels to me like they're trying to dress it up a little bit. Oh, we promise it's not fixed. I don't know. Fishy's not the word corny. It's corny, <laughs> but it's real. All right. Never corny. Always I'm still corny. watching, though. Hell yeah, I'm watching. We'll be talking about it on Saturday. That's Brendan Tobin. Thanks to our producer, Jake Galley, out there in Philly. I'm Sean Levine in Kansas City. That's it for your recap of UFC 269. A little preview of fight night. And then, of course, the boxing match is coming up on Saturday. Don't miss us coming up at 5 o'clock Eastern time for the next version of Tapped Out right here on the Bet QL Network. Saturday night. We'll talk to you then.